Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week, our guest is Emma Bates, an ASICS and Idaho Distance Project runner who competed at last week's Marathon Project, running 225.40. And it's another great crossover episode with our friends over at the Sidious Mag podcast and Chris Chavez. We have a great episode where we talk a lot about the marathon, uh, the lessons learned from a very difficult year. Uh, and a lot of other interesting tidbits about the future. This is a super fun episode with a lot of serious bits and a lot of uh, funny ramblings uh, talking about Emma's living off the grid and her diet of tacos. Uh, You'll definitely enjoy it. It was a lot of fun to record. Uh, And don't forget to listen, subscribe, rate, review, whatever you do, follow uh, everywhere you get your podcasts. And until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. All right, and now we're joined by Emma Bates on another Sidious Mag and Run Your Mouth crossover. Uh, Emma, how has the past week been? I guess now that you've taken a little bit of downtime and you know a chance to really regroup after the marathon project. How are you feeling? And like, uh, I guess, could you give us like sort of like a little bit of a report card assessment of your your race that that went down? Yeah, the legs are not feeling good right now. <laughs> so even, you know, over a week later, I I still feel like I've been hit by a truck. Um, it was definitely one of the harder races that I've ever done. Um, I just wasn't really mentally in it. Um, super grateful for the opportunity to be able to race again. Um, and they did an amazing job setting up the, you know, the entire course and just the whole weekend was super smooth. Um, so I'm so glad I had the opportunity, but I wasn't, there was a, you know, a personal matter that happened a couple of weeks before. So I didn't even know if I wanted to show up to the race. Um, so I ended up, you know, kind of the motions of everything that, was going on kind of got the better of me um, during the race. And I ended up, you know, having a lot of stress. And um, I think, you know, throwing up in the middle of the race uh, had something to do with, you know, what I was going through. Um, I threw up around like mile nine or 10. Um, so a lot of, you know, just like the nutrition was out of my body, you know, I, I wasn't very hydrated. And so just a lot of muscle cramps, um, never had those kind of cramps before. Um, and so starting at mile nine or 10, you know, trying to grind through that the rest of the way, um, I just feel like absolute crap still. So, um, wasn't really able to walk the next day and just kind of hobbling around since. So, um, I am down in the basement of my sister's, um, house in DC. I drove all the way across the country, like 2,400 miles. So that probably didn't help the legs either. Um, but I'm down here and just kind of giving my body a rest, probably going to take another week off until, you know, I start jogging around again. Um, so that's, that's where I'm at right now. And the reason I'm quarantining, um, down here is because I have a six month old nephew. And so I really wanted to meet him and to do things safely. I'm going to be down here for, for a week and then move back upstairs and meet my nephew, but with a mask and probably won't hold him for like another week or so. But, um, yeah, I'll be here for a while and spending some time with family. What's his name? Oh, Otis. Um, his name is Otis. He's, he's That's cute. <laughs> um, well, tell your sister congratulations, belated. <laughs> um, would you, so I guess like 
it sounds like that was a pretty rough race to run almost a PR in. So I guess what's the, what's maybe like, what's the grade adjusted? Was, were they great on a curve? Is that the word for it? Like what's the report card grading on a curve for that marathon? Cause it seems like there was a lot of like factors to consider that weren't necessarily in the result. Yeah, I think going into the race, um, I was definitely shooting for, you know, 223. I was going out, you know, with the pace group for 223. And I think that was definitely in my wheelhouse. Um, I think on a great day, I could have even gotten under 223. Um, but just with everything that happened, um, you know, I, I have to be happy with a near PR. Um, just frustrated because it's such a fast course and so many people ran really well. So hard to like not be able to grasp that opportunity um you know when it's given to you like that it was you know this may not happen again in a long time um just you know it was perfect conditions um no wind and you know super flat so it's yeah again it's just frustrating um but i think i think 222 is definitely in you know sites for 2021 if not beyond um but definitely not going to, you know, throw in the towel. It was, it was a hard day, but I learned a lot about myself and learned a lot about, you know, what I can overcome and um, just kind of get through mentally and physically. So definitely taking a lot from it um, in, in that respect. I thought you brought like a lot of awesome confidence to the pre-race press conference when they did sort of like ask you sort of your goal and you said, you know, under 224 was what you were going to go for. And that, you know, in the past, I think it was in Chicago, you felt that you were in that sort of shape, or at least like in the at the trials. Um, I've seen like through Instagram, the 22 miler that you averaged in 537 pace, and then the big PR at the Michigan half. Um, so where was it, I guess, that you drew this sort of confidence to be sort of that bold and vocal before this sort of race? I think every marathon I do, I gain more and more confidence. Um, even though I didn't run what I wanted to at the Olympic trials, um, I still knew that I had it in me to do to do really well there. Um, just you know, tactical errors and just not really um, being confident in the moment. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing too is is knowing that if I have the confidence during the race, that you know all the training will kind of you know come to fruition and, and really benefit me um, when it when it counts. Um, and I just I enjoy the training so much. Um, marathon training is definitely my my you know niche. And so I feel so much better every single week. Um, the more miles I run, the better I feel. And so I'm just starting to scratch the surface of, you know, kind of my potential and where I can go with this. Um, so that's kind of the, the confidence that is building more and more and more. So every race that I do, every workout that I do, every, you know, building, build up or training cycle that I do, I just have so much more faith in myself and belief in myself because um, it's just, it keeps progressing. So um, definitely excited about my future in, in the marathon um, specifically. Do you feel like you've arrived as a marathoner? Because I feel like going into this year, it was like, oh, Emma, she's on the up and up. Like, she's only run a couple of marathons. But, like, now you have four under your belt. Do you, do you feel like you're still, like, learning? Or, or now you're, like, Emma the marathoner, you, you're here? It's hard because they're, they're so far and few between, you know, marathons, <laughs> like, one or two a year. And, you know, I've only had four now. Um, so it's it's hard to say. I don't feel like a veteran or anything like that, but I definitely don't feel like 
a fish out of water. Um, you know, it's, there's so much experience to be gained in 26 miles and, you know, doing four of those 26 miles, uh, you definitely uh, learn a lot. Um, and so I definitely go to the starting line each time now with a little more um, just, ex you know, yeah, you just feel more experienced, more, um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel out of place, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. So I definitely, you know, feel like I am a marathoner now. Yeah. It's like the, the sophomore season, like in the NCAA, it's like, like, all right, I've done my red shirt. I'm here. Like, this is the real deal, but I'm not like a fit theater yet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I don't, I don't ever feel like I'm not going to be able to perform well in the marathon. Um, Cause I, I don't know. I just, I feel, I feel so good during them. Um, this was the, the first time that I felt really, really shitty. Um, and I still ran well. So that gives me um, definitely a lot of, a lot of, it gives me a boost going into the, you know, you each and every marathon after this that, you know, no, knowing there's a high floor is always yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Yep, exactly. You had brought up the, the trials and like, that's, you know, even in the, in the press conference before, and you'd said like that it was the tactics really that still kind of bite at you, how it wasn't the race that you had wanted. Is there like a moment in particular, and I hate to like reopen sort of wounds if you put it behind you, but like, was it like Allie and Molly pulling away and like not making that sort of move? Or is there, is there really a couple moments in that race that really stick out to you? It's like, dang it. Like, that's where I think I left like, the, the, the team go it was the whole race that I just wasn't running my own race and the, you know going into it, I was like I'm just gonna run my own race not worry about what anybody else is doing and then I got in it and you know typically a women's marathon especially a championship race it's very strung out and this one was completely the opposite um, the men's race ran completely strung out but the women's were so packed up and I started freaking out and getting like, I get really claustrophobic when I'm running around a lot of people too. So I didn't really know what to do. And, you know, people weren't really pulling ahead. I was kind of keying off of Des, you know, she's been there, she's made teams and she wasn't going. And so I just got so swept up with, you know, what, what everybody else was doing. And I, I felt amazing. I was probably the fittest that I've ever been going into that race. And I definitely should have made the move you know, much sooner, if not from the beginning. Um, but it was windy, it was hilly. And so I just overthought everything. And once the move was made with Allie and Molly and Sally, it, I just didn't, I didn't have that gear. Um, I'm much more of a metronomic runner, a rhythm runner. Um, I like to go, you know, hard from the beginning and maintain. Um, I'm not really good at that pace change, you know, the championship racing style. Um, so I was hoping that it wasn't going to be ran like, you know, a track championship race. I, I hoped it was going to be a true marathon and it didn't end up being that way. So that's, that's the most frustrating thing apart. Part about it is just like, you know, not, not doing what I said I was going to do and um, knowing that that I paid the price for it. That's such like an interesting like dynamic to kind of unpack because it's, it, it really does come down to like, a lot of people in that lead pack were just kind of looking at Des being like, okay, she's the one who's going to be the person who makes the move or that kind of, she's the one dictating it because she's the, the, the veteran. Um, and I just find like that's so interesting because eventually there has to come a point where you as an athlete also has to sort of like 
garner up that confidence and be like, you know what, I'm going to be the person to, to make that move because watching like the marathon project unfold, like I watched the men's race and I see like someone like Cam Levins up there in the front. I'm like, he's got the credentials that he could be that sort of guy. But I feel like everyone just kind of gave way to like someone like a Jared Ward and that kind of stuff because, you know, everyone thinks of them as like having the faster times on paper. Was it different sort of than approaching the marathon project, knowing that Sarah Hall is throwing out this ridiculous time out there. And now all you really have to do is just worry about yourself because, you know, I, I feel like watching that race, you guys in that chase pack, were still sort of like considering like, Hey, I might be in it to win it because that lead pack has a much greater chance of crashing and burning. Yeah, it definitely is a different um, feeling. Uh, the whole marathon project was, you know, everybody just wants to run super fast. It wasn't necessarily about winning. We all want to win races, of course, but it was more, um, let's just all do this together. And, you know, Sarah's at a completely different level right now. Um, amazing to see, but knowing where we are um, within ourselves, um, we knew that, you know, just go with the pack that, you know, you feel confident going with and just kind of stick with that and, you know, try to pull each other to a fast time. So yeah, it was definitely different than um, any other race that I've ran, but it was, it was super fun to kind of, you know, have that camaraderie and, and just, you know, let's just go out and do it and run fast and get this, get this done. And it seems like summarizing sort of like where, where, where you're at right now is like this year was a lot of like lesson learning. Is that fair to say? Mm -hmm. I would. So, so I guess like, what's the, what's the, the big takeaway lessons that you've learned from, from this weird, stressful year? Um, I would say just like, you know, you, you have a lot of failures, but that's, that's the point of running, you know, learning from these failures and, and gaining a lot of um, insight from them and, you know, growing from them. Um, and then they don't turn into failures anymore. Um, they turn into just life lessons and, you know, something to, to be gained from and um, everything's just, you know, something to, to learn from. And every race is that, every workout is that. And this year has been just, you know, obviously very strange, but just getting out the door um, has been, you know, something that is, you know, you have to feel so accomplished just, you know, being, you know, keeping motivated and, and still just, you know, chipping away at your goals and your dreams. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a tough year, but I think that we all kind of needed this and um, we're all going to be so much stronger from this. So that's something exciting that will come out of this entire, you know, 2020 dumpster fire. <laughs> One of the Instagram posts that really stood out to me that you put together and kind of like going off of this was from late September. Um, it's a photo of you in the mountains in Idaho. And like the caption said, it's like with nothing to truly train for, AKA not being able to do my job. I've gone through bouts of anxiety and depression. I've had lack of motivation to get out of bed in the morning. I've had to turn to vices more than normal. I've not loved myself at all. I don't say this to retrieve pity. I say this because even though someone has a big smile on their face, it doesn't mean that they're, they aren't hurting too. We're all going through something. Be kind, be understanding, take care of one another. So in that sort of period, how did you, what did you sort of tell yourself to get out of that rut, you know, you know, maybe weeks later, and then finally, I guess, like, get into a whole cycle of training and doing it at a high level again? Um, I think it's just the, the people that you surround yourself with, um, just knowing that 
you know, people around me are going through similar things. Um, and just the outpouring of, of support from people from that post, I, I didn't really mean for that to be, you know, um, something to, to gain attention from, but um, a lot of people reached out to me and said, you know, I'm going through the same thing. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's so nice to know that you're not alone. Um, and so it's just, you know, sharing that with, with people and, you know, just kind of conversing about, you know, we're all going through a really hard time and, you know, it may be different, but, you know, we're, we're all, you know, trying our best to kind of, you know, treat things like they normally were and, um, you know, just trying to grow as people still, um, when everything kind of feels stagnant. Um, so yeah, it's more just, um, just connecting with other people has has brought me out of that and you know I, I definitely slip into it sometimes um, but then I just turn to you know somebody that um, has expressed the same kind of feelings and you know kind of reached out to them again and kind of being like a you know back and forth support system um, whether I, I know them personally or whether I you know met them via Instagram or or beyond um, it's something to to be gained to know that like um, we can be close in this in this time and you know i'm such an introvert um so i i definitely isolate myself and close in on myself so the only way to really pull myself out of these um kind of bouts is is with people and so um really really thankful for the support system that i do have and i'm um, just trying to hold on to that as much as i can and move forward so when you made that push this this is always something that i'm really interested in where there's such, there's such a performative element of, you know, being a professional athlete and, you know, there's, there's Emma the person and there's Emma the brand. And that's, that, I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And obviously, you know, it's really meaningful for people who are going, you know, through stuff to see their sort of like their big badass heroes to talking about feeling vulnerable as well. But also at the same time, you know, it's like, you, you know, you don't owe the world anything. So, so I guess, how do you kind of, in your day-to-day -day life, the big and the small, like, how do you decide sort of like how, how much of yourself to share with, with the running world, um, you know, the good and the bad? Yeah, that's a, that's a hard question. I've always felt weird about sharing um, my insecurities and, you know, kind of issues and, um, stuff that I've been going through because I know that everybody is going through something. And so I didn't feel like I should share that because it, what makes me so special, you know, like why, why should people care about what I'm going through when I know they're going through something as well. Um, so I've, I've definitely struggled with, you know, sharing that part of me. And um, I don't, I, I'm still like in a, in a weird place where I don't, I don't really know how to navigate it. And I just try to, um, you know, reach out to people that I, that I feel the same kind of connection with that I know I, that they're going through something too and, and see, you know, if I can kind of help them and then in turn that kind of, you know, that back and forth again is just, you know, something that um, can't be replaced. Um, and, and so just, I don't, I don't really know. I, again, I'm, I'm, still figuring it out and um you know i'm gonna start going to therapy too i haven't really you know delved into that but um you know i've, I've had close friends to talk things through but it's nice to have kind of that you know unbiased person to go to so i definitely want to start doing that um i think everybody should even if you're not going through something 
um, just talking to somebody um, really does help. So, um, yeah. I, I think that's a good question because it's so hard to answer, you know, like, I think that that's something that everybody struggles with. Um, you know, whether you're a professional runner or not, you know, social media makes everything so performative. Um, but I guess one of the things, and I'm super, feel free to be like, fuck you, you're totally off base by asking this, but in my experience, I feel like there's way more pressure on women professional athletes to be vulnerable, to talk about, you know, to talk about their trauma to talk about you know things that they've overcome whereas there's so much less of an expectation on men to show that vulnerable side of yourself like do you do you feel that way i guess is i feel that like there's pressure unfairly applied on on folks to be revealing and and if so like i guess like what how do we how do we fix that so everybody can feel like you know there there's a safe space to to be vulnerable without you know, putting unfair pressure on, on women to be, to carry the load that all of us are feeling, you know? I definitely haven't felt that way. Um, but I, I do see it now that you say that, um, you know, men are more the, you know, outwardly performative, like kind of the cocky, like, you know, throw your hands in the air when you go across the line and, you know, have that banter of like, you know, just, mm, I'm, I'm the best kind of person. And, you know, they're expected to be that way and people love them for it. And when a woman does that, it's, it's not okay. It's, you know, she, she just wants attention or, you know, she, um, people don't like when women do that, you know, it's, it, it it's weird. Um, when, when it's, you know, so one-sided with certain issues and, and so I don't, I don't know how to change that. I mean, it's, it seems like a societal issue, you know, we expect certain things from each gender and um, I don't know how we're going to change that. And I, and I hope it is changed, you know, um, I have, you know, a teammate and um, he is very outspoken, I think on social media about it. And I, and I commend him for that and I love him for that. And I think that should happen more. Um, so I, I hope that, you know, just, him seeing me being open about it will will create kind of like a chain reaction and you know he opens up himself about it and then you know other men see that and so um yeah just gaining traction in that way so i think i think just you know the running community is such a supportive place and i think that if men were to come out more and say you know they're going through certain things and you know, eating disorders are not only, you know, a female issue too. And I think that's something that needs to be addressed more. And um, yeah, it's just creating a safe space. And so I think just talks like this and just like kind of encouraging people to, you know, speak out and um, know that we're all going to be there for them at the end of the day. Um, you brought up your teammates and sort of like the supporting cast that you've got. What did you make of uh, uh, mixed performance? Because he was on david's podcast so just a quick plug for the, for for that show um great episode um but and i'm watching some of these clips that david is sending me after he records them and he, he was like yeah this is totally an accident and i was like what and so was it as much of a surprise to you as it was to to him and to everyone else it definitely was uh no offense to mick but he he hasn't been to a starting line of a race in you know a couple of years and and so it was more just like the entire buildup, he was hoping to just get to the starting line. And then, you know, he started having really good training um, cycles. And then, you know, it's like, oh, maybe I can break 
you know, my PR and then, oh, maybe I can break to 11. And then when I was running the, the race, you know, we have those, those turnarounds and I saw him at the, the front of the pack with the 209 group. And I was just like, what are you doing? Like, Nick, what are you doing? Like, don't be doing that. Like drop back, drop back. And I just kept seeing him and he was still up there and still up there until, you know, the last lap. And he was, he took the lead and that just gave me so much inspiration and so much motivation in my own race that I, I mean, I was starting to tear up just seeing him and just like grit down and just like be who he has been wanting to be for, you know, years now. And so it was such a special moment when, you know, he told me that he broke 210 and I'm just so happy for him because, you know, he was thinking about quitting running and, you know, I've been there. I wanted to quit running a few years ago. And so for him to have that, that moment was definitely needed and, and something that, um, that, I don't know, is just so special about the weekend. And I haven't been able to celebrate with him yet. We were trying to stay away from each other when we were in Phoenix. And so um, when I go back to Boise, it's going to be a huge celebration with him. And I'm, I'm so excited to share that with him. There's, there's a lot of long overdue celebration that needs to happen once, yeah. the, <laughs> once the pandemic is over. Um, so I guess, you know, we've talked a lot about looking you know sort of back on 2020 but looking forward on the year i know it's been a really long time since you've run on the track <laughs> and i don't want to put anything in your head but like is that is that totally behind you is there possibly like a return to the 10k coming up moving forward or, or what's the you know you don't have to throw out your whole racing schedule for the next year but but what are you thinking about uh you know kind of looking looking past this this latest build up yeah, because David noted, I think, uh, to me, he was like, yeah, according to, like, World Athletics, she hasn't, like, stepped on a track since 2017. I was like, that can't be right. And then, like, I went in and, like, actually, like, tried to fact check him and was like, no, actually, she hasn't raced. And that, like, that summer, it's just only three years ago, you're running 3Ks, 5Ks, and it's like, and now you're just, like, a seasoned marathoner. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely, I definitely don't have the greatest relationship with the track, but um, yeah, I left the track in, in, a, in a very bad place. Um, so I definitely want to regain some of that, um, the friendship with the track again. I've been doing some workouts, dabbling in that over the summer. And, you know, when I wasn't racing um, in 2020, it was more just like kind of test the waters and see what I can do. And I had some pretty, pretty good workouts uh, in the, in the 10K um, over the summer. So there might be another, yeah, presence for me on the track in, in 2021. Um, it probably won't be anything shorter than a 10K that it seems like a sprint. Um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. Um, again, I'm not going to put any pressure on myself to make a team or anything like that, but to just, you know, find the love in, in running, you know, a bunch of circles again, <laughs> um, would be, would be definitely welcomed. So it, it's interesting that I, like, I hear you mention like no, no added pressure on yourself to like make the team like, yeah, maybe making like the Olympic trials on the, on the track would be, you know, fairly nice, but you know, cause it's like, I feel like it's really easy to fall into sort of like that trap where you, you miss the marathon trials team and you were like a real strong contender for that one that your mind just immediately jumps to like, okay, now I got to make it on the track to keep sort of like these Olympic hopes alive for 2021, I guess now. Um, where is your head sort of at now when you really dreamt of making that 2020 team? Like, is it just now looking ahead 
four more years and like really nailing down the marathon and giving this like another go like this is like long term wise where we can't even think of like where we're going to be in like a month or two um in the world but for you like how but anyways what's your next five year plan? yeah what's what's <laughs> like what is what did this do for sort of like your olympic aspirations um it was definitely devastating not making that team um that was a really hard one to swallow um but I love running so much and I found such a new sense of just enjoyment in that. And so it wasn't the end of the world, um, not making that team. You know, I have found so much, again, support from everybody. Um, and that has made all the difference in this past year and just my, my running career in general. You know, it doesn't matter how well I do in a race or, or it doesn't matter what race I do. Um, people are still going to be, you know, excited for me and proud of me. And that's, that's something that's really, really special. And I, and I don't want to, you know, just diminish that by, you know, wanting to make teams. And so it's not, you know, the next four years or, you know, 2024, it's, it's more just like, what's the next race? Um, and being excited about that and really soaking in all of the, you know, just the process of just getting, you know, to, to run with people again and to do workouts and to push myself and to see what I can do um, and see what my potential is. So, um, yeah, I, I'll definitely try to make, you know, the, the Olympic trials and everything like that and, you know, push myself as far as I can go. But it's it's not, you know, the, the goals aren't going to be above and beyond. It's always just going to be, you know, what what can I do right now? So so we've covered track and we've covered roads, but uh, I, I feel like the, the long forgotten thing is that you're a really good cross country runner too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously club cross is the most important meet of the year, but you know, <laughs> Um, I, I guess, I mean, even thinking forward, you know, there was like, there was a push to put cross country in the Olympics that was, you know, ultimately unsuccessful, but Break not, that your, in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not that it's your job, but I'm making it your job. Like, how do we sell, you know, cross country as kind of, you know, a, a really important part of the sport? Cause I feel, I feel like it is. And I feel like it's one of the most watchable, you know, parts of, of, running um but but what's your pitch for for making cross great again <laughs> it's so hard to explain to people that don't do it or have never done it there's just something so special about it and it's i don't know the the feeling of of the grass and being one with like the earth more than like running on pavement or a track and then it's always just so different there's you know so many different courses and it makes it so exciting because you never know what you're going to get um, and just like the team aspect of it is something that cannot be replaced. I mean, you, you can't do that on the track or the roads. Um, even if you try, there's just something so just awesome about, I don't know, just running super fast on a, on a grass loop, um, with a bunch of nutty people that, you know, get it and know, love it just as much as you do. It's so hard to like explain though. And it's sacred. It's completely sacred. And I hope that, you know, some people start to realize that and, you know, maybe we need to do more um, events where the common runner can can do a cross country race instead of all these road races, um, maybe just inviting them into, you know, certain cross country races and making it more of, um, a, you know, a worldwide kind of kind of event. I think that would that would help maybe. Yeah, there is, I think, 
last year maybe somebody organized like a $15 one mile cross country race at Franklin Park that like a ton of people did and I'm like that sounds super fun like I'm honestly (laughs) mad I didn't do it like it does you know and it's like it's such a watchable race too like I feel like people who don't know cross don't know the thrill of like sprinting across a cornfield to like try and get to the next mile marker um but but maybe one day maybe that'll be like my soapbox for 2021 is like why we should care about cross country more yeah bring back the mile bring cross country back (laughs) yeah (laughs) what about um you know, trails and uh, ultras in your, in your future. Like, I feel like I'm one to connect the dots. Think, all the bases now. <laughs> I think, I think, I think like Idaho, lots of trails probably. I've never been there, but as a city kid, like uh, in New York, like I just think of Idaho as being filled with amazing, beautiful trails. Your, your background as a strong cross country runner, like it only makes sense. I love the trails absolutely love them. Um, I don't want to ruin that love by making it a competition though. So I don't know if I'll be able to do that. Mind you, I, I will probably dabble in it, um, post marathoning, um, just to see, you know, what it's all about. It seems amazing. And, you know, it's a different kind of person. Um, you know, runners are weird in general, but there's something about ultra runners that are just above and beyond that. Um, So I would love to just, you know, kind of pick their brains and kind of see, you know, what it is about, you know, running for hundreds of miles that is so exciting. Um, I definitely am more excited to run fast right now. Um, That is something that motivates me more than anything. Um, But I I do love the trails. And so I, I won't count it out in my future, definitely. Fobble jumped on here and said he was ready to go top 10 at Western States next year if he really wanted to. Like, you're, I'm glad you're not being, like, as crazy. <laughs> That's the Portland pressure on him, though. That's, like, all those Portland guys love the trails. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for the trails, though. I don't think that you can just hop into it and, you know, achieve big things. It's It's a different kind of hurt. And so I don't know how I would fare in that. And I don't know how many marathoners would fare in that. So I think, I think he needs to slow his roll a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the hot take there. It's like, uh, Emma Bates calls out Scott Fobble, slow your roll. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh no, the feud begins. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the rivalry everyone wants to be here for. Um, I, th- I think I need to start a rivalry with him with, um, burritos and versus tacos because there's no way burritos are better than tacos let's be let's be wow honest. wow that's the that's the takeaway for yeah, the for right real yeah. Here. wait make your case for 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 tacos because like tacos are hard to eat they fall apart no not if you make them the right way you can't stack <laughs> them either there's you can make so many different kinds of tacos you can have any kind of taco and I, you can have a taco for every meal of the day and be so happy because you can switch it up so much. You can only switch up a burrito so much. I will say I, I'm team burrito, but tacos do have the advantage of like, if you're like, oh, do I want steak? Do I want chicken? Like you can just get one of each. Like yeah. that's definitely, that's definitely an appeal for sure. Right. But this is controversial right now. It this is. is uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hold steady. I'm going to lean more towards burritos than, than tacos. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared to make a case, so I, I'll come up with all the, the reasons why you guys need to love tacos more than burritos. 
Perfect. All right. Sounds good. That's um. That's the ooh. Maybe that's the like the engagement after is like, yeah. <laughs> start the Instagram poll. There we go. I mean, I am a little biased though because that seven days, the entire week leading up to Chicago, I had tacos. I don't. I'm not even lying. Every single meal leading up to. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously, I think that's the secret sauce. Honestly. You also, but you're gluten free, right? What do you do? Corn tortillas. Oh, I guess yeah. Yeah. I forgot that corn doesn't have gluten in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's well, why that I is very impressive. Too. I can't have burritos because of the flour tortilla. Oh uh, yeah. So. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, wait. So before we before we get to like our ending questions, um, I feel like given that it's the end of December, I had some quick uh, some rapid fire like year uh, end questions. So do you have a do you have a favorite album of the year? I asked one of our our last guests this, and I got some good answers. That's what one of the Instagram questions was. I was gonna really? I was gonna yeah I was gonna pull some. Oh, you got up. listener questions too. Yeah, favorite album, and then we can go to some of the listener questions. Favorite album? Uh, I gotta say, the weekend. That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, well, I just feel like Taylor Swift dropping two at the like at the very end of the year, like she just tried to like overshadow everyone. <laughs> I actually haven't listened to that. Album, so. Ooh, you might have to get on that. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. After this. if you want, if you want some hot takes, I'll call out the fact that she should not have dropped two albums. That one album, <laughs> I think there were not. There are not enough good songs on both of those albums to justify as many songs as she went. I'm like, let's girl, let's make some cuts. One, you know, 15 track EP. Like, yeah. that's. Now, what's your favorite from either album? Uh, I like Betty. I'm like basic like that. Like, although I did like um, the what's the tis the damn season. Like, the problem is like horrible message. Like the message of that song is like "fuck your ex," <laughs> like, but like it's a good song despite the uh, incredibly poor advice that it offers. Really <laughs> noted. Perfect. <laughs> okay. What's More, um, favorite dessert to eat? That's what someone submitted. Ice cream. Uh, I could eat ice cream every day. Uh, ben and Jerry's fish food. I just discovered this year, and it's a problem. It's There's a- fish food. There's some good uh, dairy-free Ben and Jerry ones that I think have also come out. Um, like I've gotten hooked on those. Nice, nice. I like Ben and Jerry's, but my like I feel like I've moved away from Ben and Jerry's because I've become a total slut for Talenti. Have you ever had Talenti? Yes, Talenti. That's so good. Like <laughs> I can't, I can't top that. Like a good <laughs> little, little like gelato that, action. Yeah. I, I think I overdid the gelato a couple of years ago. And so I'm back to the ice cream, like pure whole milk ice cream. Give me the, some of that. Yes. <laughs> Someone was wondering, uh, what were the pep talks from Nick Willis and Ben Bruce during the race? Oh, um, Ben Bruce is very, like, very professional when he runs. Um, so he is just a, the most amazing pacer. Um, but when they, he broke off with Kira, Nick Willis stayed with me and Stephanie and then Stephanie dropped out. So Nick Wallace was with me and we could see Kira ahead. And he was just like, Emma, you're, you're a marathoner. You're a true marathoner. And she's a 5k runner. You need to go catch her. You can do it. And so he's like, a lot can happen the last six months. I can't do a New Zealand accent. <laughs> that's like, that's my attempt. It's awful. Um, but it was, that was so- a flawless Nick Wallace impression. <laughs> if you ask. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm not a Kiwi. I can't. Um, but 
it was awesome, like, to just hear somebody, like, that, that has, you know, been in those big championship races, and to, like, just know what kind of goes through his head, and, like, know that it's not over yet, um, I I was like, Nick, it's, it's, it's over, probably, she's really far ahead, um, unless she, like, completely drops out, or falls apart, but I'm, I'm also kind of falling apart, um, so it was, it was amazing, it was super sweet of him to be there for me, and, he dropped out at 20 miles. So he went the full 20 miles with me. So that was amazing. And then the last six miles were just hard. So I could have used them for the last six miles. That's for sure. My favorite Nick Willis moment on the stream was, I think it was, it must've been when he went, cause was he with the, at one point I think he stopped and went back with Steph or something. There's, there's at one point he stopped to pee and you could, really clearly see him on the stream like he did not go that far off the course <laughs> it was just one of those moments where I was like I'm so glad you're facing the other way because <laughs> like, he was fully visible on the camera for like a solid 45 seconds while he stopped to pee at the side He's of the not course. strategic about his timing at all no <laughs> but Stephanie was because she had to go to the bathroom and so she veered off and I mean you couldn't see that on the feed at all I heard so that that was that she's very good she's a pro she's a pro in every sense of the word <laughs> um someone's wondering do you have any pre-race or night before rituals that you always do before a race if so what are they um i try not to because i just you know don't want to be so rigid and if i don't do those things i don't want it to get to my head and so i just try we to are over three on this question chris <laughs> we have to stop asking <laughs> Because Marty and Mick both said the same exact thing on like pre-race rituals. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the pros really have them. I wear the same I, socks, I think, for every race, but that's about it. Yeah, I get so. I guess I need to have a pre-race ritual. The the seven days leading up to marathon, I need to eat tacos again. Tacos, yeah, that's it. But tacos. Yeah. <laughs> that is going to be it. That's my new ritual. The worst part is that there's gonna. I'm picturing like the like horrible runner's world article where it's like somebody misinterprets that as like a training tip it's like, <laughs> emma bates says you have to eat tacos every day every that's the nutrition key. yes <laughs> yeah my one pre-race superstition is that um because i was a swimmer before i was a runner and i still on the starting line because i love obviously like growing up you know, swimming, love Michael Phelps. And so I always do the like arm flapping thing that he does on the starting line, even though it's not a swimming race anymore. <laughs> I've just maintained that for, I don't know, 15 years or whatever. You know what's crazy is I do that too. And it's also because of Michael Phelps. <laughs> there you go. I just <laughs> thought it was so cool. <laughs> I can start doing it, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot when he runs, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also have like the tendency to get like the tight shoulders. So I do like, I do feel like there's a practical element to it too. Like, and that's the thing. Like you, you gain more um, confidence and testosterone I heard when you make yourself big. And so <laughs> even just like doing this movement is like, is good for, I don't know, just pre-race. So mm -hmm. no, that's, that's great. My high school coach used to say on starting lines, especially track races, he would always say, be a puffer fish. So go. like you don't get crowded out, like you stand as wide as possible, like on the line, and then like right before like take your marks, you like compress it. Great defense. <laughs> <So>. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Two, two people wrote in asking 
what's the best part of living off the grid? Like, is this a thing like, of yours that people, like, I guess, assume that because you're in Idaho, you're living off the grid? Well, I do have a house that is off grid. Okay. So I do live off the grid. Currently not because <sighs> I live at the top of a mountain, basically, and it is near impossible to get to my house right now. Um, so I've had to rent an apartment downtown Boise because I can't get there. Um, but yes, I live off grid, um, no electricity, no water. Um, that is the house. So typically I'm up there, but you know, winter, winter hit hard this year. Whoa, that's Jeez. so wild to me. I, I mean, just cause like I'm in a city and I'm most, I'm the most in grid person. <laughs> Well, I just, because you moved from Boston, so, like, I don't know what Boston did to disrespect you to be like, fuck this, I don't even want electricity. <laughs> I needed a complete 180, and that was, yeah. so, <laughs> it was super cheap, too, and that, that was a, because there's no electricity. <laughs> how do you, wait, how do you shower? Um, I can't shower. <laughs> it's, okay. So you can use them with RVs. I just got it this year. It's really nice, actually. Um, you just hook it to a propane tank, and it heats up really well. And you just you just shower outside, and you're good to go. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I kind of want to. I feel like uh, I'm inviting myself over solely because I feel like it'll be good for my like uh, mental, not even mental health. Like I'm not good at roughing it, so I feel like I have a lot to learn. <laughs> Oh my God, done. No, it's it's like glamping. It's it's much nicer than roughing it. It's it's definitely you know you have, um, I have a nice little pellet stove and everything, and and the water heater, uh, camping showers. So it's <laughs> great. Come over anytime. I told you I have an outdoor shower. So there you go. I do love an outdoor shower. I will say that's like that's a that's a plus for sure. I don't think it was quite what you were expecting, but <laughs> <laughs> not quite as luxurious, maybe. Wait, so like, are, are we also talking like no, no Wi-Fi, no, no cell service up there? Do you have Wi-Fi? Okay. Internet, um, which costs a pretty penny. Um, doesn't work half the time either. Um, so that's a real, real stressor when people want to get, you know, a hold of me or, you know, emails or any kind of Zoom meetings. Definitely have to drive into town to do anything like that. No cell service though. So no, no calls, no texts, no anything up there. So I'm pretty hard to get a hold of. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we we're able to, to record this podcast because like I was just picturing as like, oh, you know, these Instagram posts that she puts up. Now is she just driving into town to get cell service? Hop there's, on like the Starbucks some sort of can on a string situation where like uh, Emma mails the photo to someone. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Yep. Wow. <laughs> no, so that's probably the biggest challenge is just um, getting a hold of people and then driving. And especially in the wintertime, the, the roads are super icy. So again, can't get up there. But when the roads are icy, they salt the roads. And so, you know, you're in the mountains. So all of the deer, elk, moose come out onto the road. And so you're just, you know, frogging around, froggering around all the deer and elk and everything like that. So it's quite terrifying. Um, so that, that's probably the biggest issue is just the drive there. It's like an Access, yeah. of just chaos and stress. So that's, that's the worst part. If you can't like, so I'm assuming you don't work out on the top of the mountain. So like how far of a commute is it for like training stuff? Um, basically an hour. Um, so 
I mean, I try to run with people as much as I can um, on the team, um, like small groups, obviously. Um, yeah. But definitely try to get into town every single day. So the commute is is hefty, you know, an hour each way, and and just with all the all the stress of you know ice and snow and deer and elk. So. What kind of car do you drive? A Toyota Tacoma and uh, yeah yeah it's real nice and I have snow tires very very expensive snow tires and then chains that I have to put on as well so wow any um crazy animal encounters on these sort of runs I know you mentioned like deer and all that kind of stuff but any have you had anything um haven't had encounters per se but have had a lot of scares with like traps and everything, especially in the wintertime, you can see all of the animals that have kind of roamed around. And so, I mean, there's cougars, there's there's wolves um, and bear, and there's actually one of our neighbors, um, he uh, sets bear bait up there. And so there's all these, these traps for the bears. And so, you know, you're running around and then you come across this bear bait and the, you know, sure enough, the guy comes around with his 10 shotguns and you know, this guy has been hunting bears for a long time and he doesn't have a hand anymore because he shot a bear and the bear didn't die. And so it attacked him and ripped off his arm. He has a hook for, for an arm now and has all these shotguns and everything attached to him. And it's it's wild it's definitely i feel like you need to like write a book or something <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know how we're 45 minutes into this podcast and like this is just now coming up jeez not <laughs> everybody knew i thought everybody loved this way <laughs> yeah super I'm normal the, i'm one of those people who, like i can't i can't run in idaho like that's just been determined like um I was I was like shitting bricks like running on magnolia road where like everyone kind of trains in, in colorado and, and i was just like there's going to be a bear and it's going to be the end of me. I'm by myself. Like no one else is around. So I would just be nervous the entire run. <laughs> yeah, you just well, run with music or headphones and, and you just carry your bear spray. You're good to go. No way. I, just, I would not be able to listen to music because it's like that. Then that's when you're most vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, definitely do not. Do not do that. <laughs> See, I just feel like very, um, I feel justified in my like stereotypes because like I remember like when I was like oh like uh, you know when you guys left Boston like oh, I'm on camera moving to like Idaho they're like really going to be like out there in nature and then of course I'm like like you know how like I'm just being a, like an east coast snob like thinking it's like crazy that they're going out to the mountains and now I'm like no yeah. It is crazy. <laughs> We're only an hour outside of Boise, though, so it's not a big hour. It's a significant <laughs> hour. A lot changes, yeah. Once you get out there. Um, all right, I've got the final questions that I ask every guest, and I think David has a set that he also does. Um, yeah, this is when we do these crossover episodes. It's like there's like an exit interview within yeah. the interview. <laughs> like, <laughs> so first one I've got is, what's the meanest thing you've read about yourself on Let'sRun.com? I try not to read them. Um, haven't read them probably since college, maybe. Um, trying to think of the meanest thing. I don't know if it was like the meanest thing, but it was just like really odd. I used to have a nose ring and somebody was like, I used to like Emma until she got a nose ring and now she's all trashy. Like she just, she looks like a skank. And I was just like, 
okay. I didn't, I mean, that's not what I was trying to portray. <laughs> nose ring. I didn't know that's what I was giving off, but that has bothered me ever since. And not that I got rid of the nose ring because of that, but it just like makes me wonder about people and you know, what, what kind of stereotypes they have. And it just concerns me. <laughs> Well, just think I mean, about that person. Like they, that person had to be so aggravated that they went all the way to their computer, logged on, and then like had to create this sort of thread or make this sort of comment. Like, yeah, I mean, they suck. Well, you know, it was like a fucking like fifty-five-year-old <laughs> man to like. Yeah. Not to stereotype, but I'm like, I'm sure it's like. First of all, like, for, on the many levels that this is not for you, even if it were like. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my god. So that one was a little <laughs> yeah, that made me feel gross. <laughs> What's the funniest drug testing story that you've got? And now you've got like some pretty big shoes to fill cuz I think Noah Drotti's was just incredible where it was yeah. at the Marathon Project and the guy I guess like the the container wasn't sealed properly and tried to test it out and it just dumped onto oh. the <laughs> Yeah. He had to redo it then, right? No, no, no. Apparently no, they not. Kept him just barely enough. Was they kept retained. enough. Yeah. Goodness, that's the worst. Oh, nasty. No, nothing like that. Um, there was a time in, it was in college that I got drug tested at my house and I was home alone and it was kind of nice because I had the house myself. So I was like, I'm going to treat myself to a movie and an entire quart of ice cream. <laughs> um, and so I was sitting there just like shoving my face with ice cream and they they knocked on the door and were like, hey, um, you know, where were you, you Sada, can we come in? Um, and I just peed and so um, didn't have to go. So they had to be there for a real long time. Do you want to watch the movie with me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> and they're just super awkward because they don't want to like, I don't know, invade your space or anything like that. But um. And then, so they, I ended up going eventually, I think it was like an hour later and then they left and I had completely forgotten about my quart of ice cream on my couch and it had melted and I was so sad. It wasn't like, that's not an embarrassing story, but I was just like, ah, <laughs> my whole night is ruined. I don't have my ice cream anymore. And I hate, I hate melted ice cream. I, I don't know where you guys are with that. I don't, I never put it in the microwave or anything. I like melty. I don't like melted. Yeah. I no. think that's. So I had to completely get rid of it. So, so that, was, that was really upsetting. Do you, I, I'm just thinking, this is like kind of a serious question, but like with your cell service issues, oh, yeah. it's like the whereabouts issue. Is that like a problem or do, you, do they just know they're like, you know, we have to like send Emma a telegram to like make sure she is where she says she is. Yeah, I worry for the drug test. You're falling into one of these bear traps that your neighbor. Well, I was gonna say that's the other thing is if you are on the top of the mountain, like not these there, poor yeah. people, like definitely. If you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, assuming they could hold like a nice conversational pace with you, where would the run take place, and who would it be with? Oh my gosh, that's tough. There's so many good places. I've never been to Switzerland. I've been a lot of places, honestly, but um, I've heard amazing things and just seeing the photos of that area, um, Louvre and everything like that. I just, I don't know that, yeah, just somewhere in the mountains up there would be amazing. And then when it comes to the person, um, that's really hard to say. They don't have to be a runner and they don't even have to be a real person. It could be like Harry Potter or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be, 
like sentimental and I don't know if this is like you know what you guys want but like I would I would want to go on a run with my dad um I really miss him and um yeah so that would be the person that I would choose um he, he wouldn't be able to keep up with me but um in in my dreams that would be that's an awesome, awesome answer um final one has nothing to do with running it's you get 25 shots from half court on a basketball court. If you make one, you win $25 million. If you don't make any, then you'll go to jail for 25 years. Would you attempt the shots? Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a gambler. I hate it. I'm not betting. Nope, nope. So call me out. <laughs> smart answer, smart answer. All right, David's final questions. Yeah, so the first one is your Instagram crush. Um, doesn't have to be like a person. Like, honestly, I was thinking, I was like, you're a big like Insta pup. So if like there's like somebody's dog is like, can be your Instagram crush for sure. Um, but like, what are you feeling on the internet these days? Like, what's caught your eye? Um, any, yeah, puppy videos, honestly. But um, I do have an Instagram crush. I mean, he's just my crush in general. David Rudisha, I've always had, you know, the hot spot. Oh. So there's something, yeah. I, I can't get enough of David Rudisha. So, You're into good uh, form. That's the... Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I was trying to, like, pin down. I was like, what could it be? I was like, he's got beautiful form. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. He's just a beautiful human being. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's something that I definitely keep tabs on him as much as I can but um would you ever like if you ran into him in a meet like would you like shoot your shot and be like <laughs> what are you doing after this um probably not I mean, he's married and has kids and everything like that so I probably don't have a chance <laughs> I would definitely approach him and ask him to like have tea or something like that <laughs> yeah that's always that can be a little bit of a problem with uh Instagram crushes or like I've said like people that are like uh like I genuinely find like cute before like I think uh like I think one time I said like Tim Tollefson who's a, like a very attractive trail runner and like he like like he and like my boyfriend like dm each other so I'm like you know I know he's married and everything but like you know <laughs> no uh that's a great that can be uh, I, I think cute pups are a great answer but David Rudisha is just as valid an answer um the next is your go-to karaoke song. Someone hands you the mic and it's your time to shine. What are you singing? God, I hate karaoke, man. You don't want to hear me sing. It's awful. I feel like... That's the beauty of karaoke. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's... Um... Oh... Like, probably something epic, if I'm going to go for it, something epic, like Celine Dion or something like that, just, like, really go for it and try to hit that whistle note as much as I can, you know what I mean? Ah, uh, just, yeah, so... Go big or go home, I like that. Yeah, That's... Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what her songs are, so you you take your pick. The Titanic one, great one, perfect. Great, perfect, because that, that's also a good one, like, I always say, like, if you're afraid of karaoke, like, pick one that people will sing along to, because then, like, it drowns out your voice, like, if you're worried about... Exactly, so don't invite me to karaoke, though. I'm not going to go. Don't... <laughs> I won't be offended. Um, and then last but not least, your death row meal. You're going to the chair. What are, what's your last? I mean, you don't have to say tacos, but I feel like the pressure is on to say tacos. But like it's tacos, it's of course tacos. What kind of tacos? Like any specific place, any specific uh, ingredients? You know, Boston has some of the best tacos, El Pilon. Oh my goodness, 
So good. Have you had the fish tacos? I don't eat fish, but I do like alpha. Dang it. You're, you're going to have to eat fish because they're amazing. They're my favorite in the world. Um, so definitely if anybody is watching this in Boston, El Pelon, the fish tacos, amazing. Um, and then the Ben and Jerry's fish food for dessert because Perfect. right now. Double fish. Then we can fish. Awesome. awesome. Emma, thank you so much for doing this. This is a, a ton of fun. Um, and we're wishing you all the best in 2021. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited. Um, big fan of both your guys' shows. So I'm excited uh, to see where we go next and hopefully we see each other soon.